Hello friends, this is Marianne McKibben Dana and welcome to the Blue Room. Today we continue our Hope Notes series in which we look at works of art and pop culture with an eye toward what they have to teach us about hope. And today's episode is a little bit of an experiment. My regular editor and producer has the audacity to be in Martinique this week. Caroline is on a study trip as part of a class at Agnes Scott College on post-colonialism. And so I am without my regular editor and producer. So we're going to do things a little bit differently. I am going to be putting some ideas together and it will be unedited other than our opening and closing music that my middle kid Mel Dana will be editing together. But otherwise we are doing this in one take and I'm putting together a lot of different ideas. So here we go. A few weeks ago, I saw the movie Free Guy with my husband and son, James, and we had a great time. If you haven't seen it, I think a lot of people have been checking it out since it is now available on streaming. And in it, Ryan Reynolds plays a character named Guy who comes to discover over the course of the movie that he is a character in a video game, but he's what's called an NPC, which is a non-player character. So if you play a video game, which I do not, but I live with people who do, non-player characters are just part of the game that are not controlled by other players. They are just part of the world. And so you encounter them, you interact with them, but they are not being controlled by other players who are playing the video game. They are part of the background and the, the world itself. And Guy, in this movie, comes to realize this, that the life that he thought was just kind of a normal life, he got up in the morning and he went to his job at a bank, and every day that bank happened to get robbed by various unsavory characters who were, of course, people playing the video game. And over time, he comes to realize that his life is part of this game. And not only that, but he starts to acquire a sort of consciousness and grow and develop and want to change his daily routine and and takes on all these big and small experiments to try to do things differently than the way he does them day after day after day. And wonderful hijinks ensue. It's a lot of fun and a very sweet movie and is the kind of movie that you can watch and then never have to think about again. But anyone who knows me knows that I love thinking about things in that way and and elaborating my own thinking around even seemingly simple things like this kind of rom-com is really what it amounts to. And what really crystallized the my interest in this in this movie and this idea of games is listening a few days ago to an interview on the Ezra Klein podcast, and I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to listen to the whole thing or read the transcript. But Ezra was talking to a philosopher of games, and uh, his name is C.T. Nguyen, and he was he has studied and and thought a lot about what makes a game a good game. How are our lives like a game for both good and for ill? And it really related to a lot of the themes that Free Guy is exploring in this very amusing and lighthearted way. 
And one of the things that C.T. Nguyen said in this interview, he quoted one of his favorite game designers, a person named Reiner Kinesia. And he said in this interview, Kinesia says, the most important thing in my game designer toolbox is the point system because the point system tells the players what to care about. The point system tells the players what to care about. And of course, Ezra and C.T. Nguyen were talking about this uh, as in terms of how we live our lives as well. I mean, there are points all around us and, and points at play in the way we live our lives in thinking about, I mean, even, uh, of course, obvious things like how much money we make or, or the value of our house or our car, but even down to the granular level of wearing a Fitbit and counting our steps each day or thinking about how many likes and reshares and comments we get on social media. Uh, the GPA that we, that we carry with us into college and beyond. And, and how many of these, I mean, in some way these points are necessary, right? If you're, if you're in a large-scale society, there is a certain amount of pointification that needs to happen. But those points also come at a cost, especially when we find that we are measuring the wrong things. And as a runner, like many runners, I have a fitness watch. I have a Garmin that tells me how far I've gone, how fast I've gone. And it is amazing, even after many years as a runner, amazing how easy it is to feel dejected because the numbers weren't what I thought they were. Or even worse, what if I forget to press start? Or I, I've temporarily stopped my watch and then start running again and forget to press play and I don't get credit for those miles that I ran until I realized it. And how much, thinking about our lives today, even compared to a generation ago, but certainly compared to 200 years ago, the extent to which our lives are sliced and diced into these numbers, it really is hard to overstate how profound a shift that has been. Everything can be measured. And when everything can be measured, how do we find the larger narrative in our lives? How do we figure out what ultimate meaning we are seeking after? And I recommend this conversation to you that, that they had on this podcast because they go into much deeper level than, than I'm able to hear. But one of the things they talk about is, for example, social media. And on social media, we can fire off a 280-character tweet or uh, a Facebook post or an Instagram post, and we are instantly given feedback in terms of number of retweets, number of likes, number of shares, etc. And we can tell ourselves that we have won that game or we have performed well at that game. But if we want to influence someone for the better if we want to change someone's life, even if we want to influence someone or, or persuade them in a way that they haven't thought about before, those metrics mean nothing to those ultimate goals. And as a writer, I have written books and have had individuals say, wow, this really made me think differently about my life. And that is something that the sales numbers will not tell you. And so how do we think about the metrics that we really rely on 
and and how do we do that in a in a healthier way? And I've really been thinking about this very acutely. I mean, of course, since watching the movie and thinking about this conversation, but also this episode of the podcast will drop on on Friday the 11th and the weekend right after that is when our family and and many others in the United States will be remembering, commemorating, if you choose to do so, two years since the lockdown for COVID-19 began. And that's a whole topic in itself, how people have have thought about their lives differently as a result of, of the COVID pandemic. And we see people, you know, participating in this great resignation and um, thinking about what really matters, uh, realizing how vulnerable we truly are and wanting something different for ourselves. And I heard just the other day that the great resignation happened in large part because people were wanting to get out of toxic work environments. And, and it's like we're engaged in this reckoning moment, kind of like Guy in Free Guy, realizing that a lot of the ways that we have quantified what matters really matter almost not at all. And one of the things that I say to my kids and have said many times over the past several months as they've sought to find their way in the middle of this pandemic and and go to school and take tests and, in the case of my eldest, apply to college and, and think about all those metrics. And, and what I always have been saying, kind of with a smile on my face and in my voice, is remember it's all made up and the points don't matter, which is a quote from Whose Line Is It Anyway, which is an improv show. And they laugh and they say, yeah, you're right. And, and yet we also know that the points do matter. Um, the points are the way the world kind of quantifies and organizes itself. But on another level, the points really don't matter. And so I think there are part, there, there are kind of two things going on here. And as I think about, about the themes of Free Guy, I, I kind of see both of them at play. And one of them is that it's, it's pretty easy to acknowledge that in many ways we are measuring the wrong things when it comes to impact, when it comes to the life we want to lead, we realize that the points being allotted aren't measuring the things that truly matter to us. But I think the other thing going on is that what a lot of us are realizing is that we're not sure we want to play that game anymore at all. I mean, it's not even that if only we could come up with different ways of measuring points, this would be okay. It's really, do we even want to play the game we're playing? And that's one of the cool things that happens in Free Guy is you see, as Guy comes to this consciousness and awareness, he has an impact on the other non-player characters in the, in the game, but he also has an impact on the people playing the game. So not just the flat non-player characters, but the actual human beings who are there with their game consoles and are watching Guy learn and grow and fall in love and all of these things. And they start to root for him. And I think they root for him because they're rooting for that aspect of themselves too. And 
a final kind of note about this. Uh, one of the things that really struck me in the conversation that C.T. Nguyen was having with Ezra Klein is he was talking about uh, different kinds of what he calls aesthetics. And he says in his work, he distinguishes between what he calls object aesthetics and process aesthetics. And object aesthetics is what is the product? So uh, an artist makes a painting, a photographer takes a photograph, a sculptor makes a sculpture, and that is the object aesthetics, that is the outcome. And games encourage us to think about process aesthetics because it's about the journey, it's about what you learn, it's about the fun and the delight and the people you encounter along the way. And the problem is that so often we have been trained to be hyper-oriented towards the measurable output, the, the outcome, the object aesthetic, and, and we don't tend to the, the, the process and the journey and, and what we experience along the way. And he tells a, a wonderful story, and I, I felt this right away as somebody who is the primary cook in our house. He said, you know, you can follow a recipe and if you follow the steps, you will get to, you know, if, you, if the recipe is really good from a really well-known chef and it's written well, you can come to an amazing product that tastes just like the restaurant, but you may have a terrible time putting it together. It may not be a fun recipe. It may be too complicated. It may be with a lot of really picayune steps and, and lots of measuring and chopping. And then there are the recipes that are just a joy to cook, to prepare. And, and I knew, I mean, I could picture instantly one of each of those examples and, and the, the processes that I, I love and feel just energized by. And then the ones that the, the outcome was great and there's something satisfying about that. But the process aesthetics are just so uh, destructive to the spirit. And so moving back to think, to Free Guy, as I, as I watched that movie and, and laughed my way through it and, and found, you know, just a lot of joy and just being immersed in a silly kind of plot for a while, I also was, was just really touched to consider for myself and to invite you all to consider, all of us to consider at this moment in our world, um, what are the points that you are feeling have taken over your life? And are there different ways you want to play the game? Or maybe are you deciding, like me, that, that maybe you don't want to play the game that you are being asked to play anymore? And what does that look like? And there are some really vulnerable moments for Guy at the end of, of Free Guy. He's got to take some risk. He's got to uh, take a chance and and kind of move into uncharted areas of the game and of his own life and of his own consciousness. And that's scary, but also really exciting. And so that's what I've got for today. I would love to hear how this is kind of hitting your ears. And um, on the show notes, there are, are ways to get in touch with me, but I'd love to keep the conversation going. But for now, I thank you for joining us in the Blue Room for this series on Hope Notes. And I invite you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that others can find it. 
You can also check my website, MarianneMcKibbenDana.net, where you will find a schedule of new Hope Notes conversations and a place to register so you can participate in real time. I'm Marianne McKibben Dana, speaking to you from Reston, Virginia, the ancestral land of the Manahoac people. This episode was edited by Mel Dana. Thank you, as always, for listening. Steady on. Steady on.